last line of that psalm, uh, I think, speaks all of our hearts, right? I want to do your will, O God. But sometimes we get caught up struggling with what the will of God is for our lives. And I hope that this morning we're able to walk away from this space having a little bit better understanding or at least some hope that we can actually find what God's will is for our lives. Um, it's interesting, I just had a brief encounter with a friend who's going into his last semester of high school, and when he was saying, like, I still don't know what I want to do. And I said, neither do I. <laughs> you know, like, that's the struggle, is that we think there is a theme. When there are themes, and we think that uh, if we don't choose the right thing, our life is going to be miserable. And that's not the case. Like, God opens up the world to us and says, go. And we're like, well, which, which way? And he's like, just go. Surprise me. Pick one. Let's go. Let's do this thing called life. <coughs> and so we want to talk. I want to talk a little bit this morning about what it means to do God's will as it relates to the word calling. Because that's a really scary word. We're gonna, I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning. Uh, it's going to be verses 1 through, chapter, through 9. This is Paul's letter to the church in a town called Corinth. Corinth was a town that, um, it was basically a, a, a town, a shipping town. So they had water on both sides of them. They had ports on both sides, and goods were coming in and out of Corinth. And beyond that, it was really strategic. It was up on a plateau, and there was a highway, a major highway, if you can imagine, in ancient times, coming past and through the town. And this town, like many towns that have a lot of travel going through them, had all of the great things that a town like that might have, but also had all of the vices that a town like that often has. In fact, we have some ancient writings where uh, the writers came up with slang words playing on the word Corinth which just means like a place where there's a lot of uh, sexual activity happening all the time. And so, um, you know, like we have the phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It might have been what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. And these Christians who lived there were doing the best they could to stay close to God. But even in their midst, they were being formed and told by different various factions within the city. They were kind of pulling the body of Christ, as it were, apart. I know that's really hard for us to fathom, that the world around us might pull us and try to make us choose sides on issues where we may not even want to. And so Paul, if you read the entire book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians also, and scholars think that there's a 3 Corinthians somewhere, probably buried in a cave someplace, that 1 Corinthians especially, he comes in pretty strong. And if you read the whole book, he, he doesn't pull punches, Paul doesn't, about how they ought to be living. And the main thing that he says is, live in community with one another. You do not have to agree on every single thing, but you do have to be able to love each other amidst your differences. So like Joel and I are on really different sides of the spectrum when it comes to football today. But we can still love one another and tease each other and hope the best for one another in real life. You know what I mean? So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 1. 
called. Called by God's will to be an apostle of Jesus Christ and from Sosthenes, our brother. So this is his introduction to his letter. It's very formal. So it's from them to God's church that is in Corinth. Those who have been called, who have been made holy to God in Christ Jesus, were called to be God's people. Together with all those who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in every place. He's their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to start his letter. I thank my God always for you. Because of God's grace that was given to you in Christ Jesus. This is, you were made rich through him in everything in all your communication, and in every kind of knowledge, in the same way that the testimony about Christ was confirmed with you. The result is that you aren't missing any spiritual gift while you wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also confirm your testimony about Christ until the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, and you were called by him to partnership with his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May God give us wisdom and courage as we try to interpret Scripture. And may God give us wisdom and courage as we try to apply truth of Scripture to our lives. When I was... Uh, I was 21 years old. I was out at Holy Cross Retreat Center. At a retreat, of all things. At a retreat center. I was. And there's a small little chapel out there. Some of you may know it. It's not the really, the larger, really beautiful place. It's a smaller, really beautiful place. And there were a group of men. We were all out there. And we were crammed into this little chapel. It's kind of round. And uh, I was, we were all sitting along the edge. There was a bench, kind of built-in bench, and we were all sitting on it. I think there were 20, 30, maybe 40 of us in there. In, either way, it was like one of these situations, you know. Imagine guys like the size of me and Joel all just kind of crammed in together. And uh, I was distracted by it. And the guy who was leading the retreat, the spiritual director of the retreat, came in, and he starts leading us through this prayer, this meditation, and I uh, had my eyes closed, and I was just trying to stay focused and be in the moment, which was hard for me at 21 years old. I really didn't want to be there in the first place. I was just doing it for a lot of different reasons. All of a sudden, he said, it's just you in the room. And I heard everybody get up and leave, and I had some room. I felt like I had some wiggle room, but I was in this place where I was like kind of feeling the moment and so I stayed in the posture I was in and in my mind's eye um, as I heard everybody get up and leave I heard one person come in and I saw in my mind's eye some bare feet walk up and hand me a towel and then I opened my eyes and everybody was still there and we were crammed together and it was uncomfortable and I was like what the heck was that all turns out that over time I discerned that that was one of the ways that God was calling me. And I interpreted that calling 
to be a calling to vocational ministry. See, I, I believe my kindergarten teacher and my first grade teacher and my second and third grade teachers when they lied to me and told me I was special. <laughs> I am not special, and I hate to break it to you, but neither are you. We, together, are special. But as individuals, we're just plain, ordinary, common people, and that's okay. But I thought that I had to have some greater purpose to my life. That when I die, people would say, like, oh my gosh, look at the life he lived and the amazing things that he did. That's what I hoped for, and it was about me. But my calling that day was the same calling that the church in Corinth had and the church called Morningstar has. As individuals and as a community, we are called plain and simple to Jesus Christ. We mix that up and think that calling is about a vocation. Parker Palmer, you all need to be reading Parker Palmer. And if you are a high school senior, or you know a high school senior, or you are in college trying to figure out what is the next thing in my life, or if you're 85 years old trying to figure out what's next, read Parker Palmer's book called Let Your Life Speak. In it, he talks about the difference between calling and vocation and how we get them mixed up sometimes. But this idea of vocation comes from the same root word as the word voice. And that our lives should speak. And we know we have found our vocation when our life is speaking. And here's the tricky part, friends. Sometimes the work we do is not our vocation, and that's okay. Because the work we do just might enable us to do our vocation. So you might be the manager of a retail store, and that's the work you do, but your vocation might be something completely different. Or you might bust your knuckles as a mechanic out in the oil field in southeastern New Mexico, and that might be the work that you do, which allows you to have the vocation of leading Bible studies for the men and women that you work with. Or you might be a stay-at-home mom, and your vocation is to make sure that your neighbors are taken care of and loved. Wherever your voice of life is found, that is your vocation. And we all have one, and they change over time. But our calling, friends, is to Jesus Christ, plain and simple. And I think because we believe this lie that we are special, that we get mixed up and confused about what it means to have a vocation versus having a calling versus having a job. Listen to what Paul says. I thank my God always for you because of God's grace that was given to you in Christ Jesus. That is, you were made rich for him in everything in all your communication, and every kind of knowledge, in the same way that the testimony about Christ was confirmed with you. The result is that you aren't missing any spiritual gift. We are not missing any single spiritual gift. We together 
have every single spiritual gift that we would ever want or need. Now, I don't, but if it's me and Jeff and Darla, we're getting closer, right? But if it's me and Jeff and Darla and Warren, we're even closer than that, right? Like, together, we and they had every spiritual gift that could ever be needed. He will also confirm your testimony about Christ until the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Listen to this last verse. God is faithful. Even when we're not, you know that, right? Like even when we struggle in our faith, trusting that we do have a purpose in this world, that our voice does matter. When we struggle to believe that we are actually doing anything of value or of worth, when our faith is struggling, God is faithful. And you were called by him to partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. That is our call. I'm in vocational ministry, but that is not my calling. I have misunderstood, I misunderstood for years and years that moment at Holy Cross, thinking that that was my calling into vocational ministry, but really what that was, was God reminding me, because I already knew, but God reminded me, Ross, I'm calling you to me. I'm handing you this towel because I no longer call you my friend, like my servant, but you're my friend. Here, go and do what I do. Be part of the body of Christ and serve together. We together are called simply to Jesus Christ, and out of that we find our passion. Anybody ever read the author Ann Lament? Anything that she's written? Just a few of you. Y'all read a lot of cuss words today. <laughs> Disappointed in you. <laughs> Ann Lemon has some amazing books. If you're a reader, read them. If you're not a reader, listen to them. But she has this story that she tells about living in her calling. And she says that she has this vision, this idea that she's standing on a stage. And the room is dark before her. And there's a spotlight shining on her. Has anybody ever been in that position where you're in a room where... Where the crowd is, the lights are dim because there's a spotlight shining on your face. If you've ever been there, you know you can see nothing. It is a lonely place to be because if that were the case here in this room, I wouldn't even know that you were here. All I would see is the light. And she's standing on a stage and all she can see is the light. And then the light moves and she moves with it. And then the light moves again, and she moves with it. And she says that her calling is to stay in the light. And I think that's a beautiful image of what our calling is. But it's simply difficult. Because there are so many things. We are similar to Corinth. Now, we don't live in a port city. And our town isn't that metropolitan. But wherever we're living, there are all kinds of distractions that try to pull us away from our calling. And that's not to say, like, oh, we're bad people and we get distracted. It's just to say that we're humans. 
And sometimes we forget that the grace of God is where we want to be residing. And so the light moves, or maybe we step out of it, but our calling is to the light. And just like a magnet, we want to be drawn to stand in the grace of God, because it's in that place that we can live as Jesus called us to live, which is knowing the God of love and sharing that love with everyone around us, which is being able to embrace our wounds like I was talking about last week so we won't despise the wounded, which is understanding that hurt people hurt people, but cherished people cherish people, which is understanding that sometimes we're going to mess up, but as long as we're throwing our whole lives into life, it's going to be okay. Which is understanding that our purpose and our meaning doesn't come from the work that we do or how much money we make or our orientation or our race or our gender, but who we are is bound up especially and specifically in our relationship to Jesus Christ because Jesus connects us with the Creator God. And there is nothing more powerful than knowing who you are and to whom you belong. So, friends, one of the most difficult things that I have had to do in the last few years of vocational ministry is to figure out what it means to be older. Like, older than anyone in this room. Because I'll go and I'll sit and I'll talk to people who are very aged, and they'll say things like, I don't even know what my life is about anymore. And it's sad because I think they believe for so long that they were special in and of themselves and that they had some special thing that they were doing. And I have to gently, somehow, very gently, very, very gently, and with as much kindness as I can muster, remind them, Because when I say that to you all, you're all like, ha, that's kind of funny, but I mean it. But imagine being in your 90s, knowing that death is approaching, and a preacher coming to you and being like, you're not special. That's not very kind of you. So I have to approach somehow and remind people, you still have purpose. Because you are not an individual, you are part of the body of Christ. And we together are special. And we together do things that literally change the world. I had a conversation last week with a friend. And we started talking about the purpose of the church. And I said to her, what do you think the purpose of the church is? And she said, oh, the, the church's purpose is to praise God. I said, ah, I think that's like secondary. And she said, well, what do you think it is? And I said, to do the work that Jesus did, which is heal one another. To be healed and to do the work of healing. And she said, well, do you offer that in your church every single Sunday? And I said, I sure hope so. So that happened um, last Friday. Last Sunday, I was standing at the red doors. Did you know that churches historically have red doors as a way of saying, like, this is a place of sanctuary and safety? That's why it's important that we have red doors. But anyway, so I'm standing at the red doors, and I'm greeting people as they're leaving, and 
I'm greeting people as they're coming in, and a, a man and a woman come up to me, and they said, I can't wait to get home, all our friends from back home. And I said, oh, that, yeah, that's nice. Well, what's going on? Well, because every Sunday we call, and you know what we call this place? And I was like, no, and they said, we call this the Morning Star Health Club. <laughs> process, you are returned to yourself. And you find God in those relationships. And I have no doubt that when you walk out of here, some of you are like, I hate my job. I'm so tired of my job. <laughs> and I hate that for you. But I want you to know that you are more than that. You are more than someone who restores the dignity of human life to people, you are a called person, and you have a voice that speaks out into the world in the name of 